Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. The Tribe Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got a pair of performers and songwriters whose work joyfully throws genre out the window in search of something bigger, Robert Glasper and Emily King. Now, Glasper started his career pretty firmly in the jazz world, though as you'll hear in this conversation, he really started out by playing in churches in his native Texas. But in 2012, he released an album called Black Radio with his electric quartet, The Robert Glasper Experiment, which gleefully knocked down boundaries between jazz and hip-hop and featured such artists as Erica Badu and Lupe Fiasco, not to mention an awesome cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. His catalog before and since is too broad and varied to cover in any depth here, but in addition to jazz and R&B records, he's done a bunch of movie and TV work, including a bit of acting, which you'll hear about, won a handful of Grammys, and helped curate the Blue Note Jazz Festival, another topic of conversation here. Right now he's in the middle of Robtober, his month-long residency at New York's Blue Note Jazz Club, which will feature an incredible lineup of guests throughout. The other half of this conversation is Glasper's friend and fellow Blue Note alumni Emily King, herself a Grammy nominee whose music exists at the corner of R&B, soul, and pop. Her third and latest album, Special Occasion, is brash, heartfelt, and energetic, and she's an incredible presence live. The album, like most of King's work, was produced by Jeremy Most, who happens to be an old schoolmate of Glasper's and with whom King was in a long-term relationship until just recently. You can hear a bit of that tension in its songs in a good way. King will be opening for Mark Robillet later this month at Red Rocks, which is pretty awesome. Check out a little bit of Special Occasion from the album Special Occasion right here. In this lively chat, these two talk about how the New York Times accidentally named Glasper's band for him, the chances of Glasper becoming a pigot, you'll see, how being a messy person might make you creative, and more. There's also talk of bad hairstyle choices and how having white friends might exacerbate that problem. Enjoy. I could see you winning an Oscar. I'm going for it. It's is that on happen. your list? On your list? Yes. List? The good thing about the awards is that you can do music for all of them. Mm. I don't have oh. to all of a sudden become an actor to get oh, an Oscar. That is true. You can do music across the board. Because an actor can win. I mean, you can win for acting and music. Right. And you can do the same thing for an Emmy. Right. Oscar. I mean, acting and music. So I have an Emmy, but for music. Oh, that's amazing. And I have a few Grammys. So ooh, that's music. Ooh. But my, and I have a Peabody. Oh, tell me about that. So the Peabody Award, I don't even know what the fuck it is, honestly. Um, <laughs> but it's very prestigious. It's it very prestigious. sounds extremely the Peabody, prestigious. So, you know, there's EGOTs, right? You know what the EGOT oh, is. Oh, yes. yes. There's seven, 18 EGOTs in the world. Oh, wow. That's all? There's only, yeah, there's only 18, 18 or 19 EGOTs. Mm. I think the last EGOT was the actress. It's Viola, oh, Viola Davis. Viola Davis. I was there at the Grammys when she oh. won. She won the Grammy. Oh. Boom. And I think she won a Grammy for like an audiobook or something. Ooh, okay. And that made her an EGOT in that time. Just now, the oh, Grammys that amazing. just happened. Can we submit this for audiobook? I think we can. Okay. I think it's okay. definitely um, a, a Hannah, thing. can we do that yeah. later? <laughs> but there are only five PGOTs in the world, ever. 
You're kidding me! And you and none a, of them, are, none of them are black. Peabody is a Peabody plus the ego. Boom. Now so I it's get either that. a Peabody or it's a Pulitzer. Okay. A, 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 a Pulitzer. One of those two. Wow. Peas. So wow. I have three of the things. So I just need to get an Oscar and a Tony. Ooh. So let's talk about this acting career. And let's, let's you know what I mean. It, let's figure it out. <laughs> and I'm so so. So let's go down that road. If. Is there a role that you have thought about playing in any genre, like comedy, drama, action? What would be your choice? I feel comedy because that's naturally where I live. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just naturally... You are hilarious. You know, funny. And I've always always been like that. My whole family's like that. Everybody's funny. You know what I mean? My dad's hilarious. Oh, Pop. My dad, yeah, he's so funny. So What a blessing to be in a family that absolutely. laughs so much. Laughs, like really laughs. Like we laugh all the time. I've had a few roles, little little stuff. Some of my friends in Hollywood have gotten me little like a, hey, you want to yeah. do this? Yeah, like, yeah. I was in season three of Black Monday. It's Don Cheadle's show Ooh, called Black Monday. He's great. Where he works on like, he works in like a stock broker uh-huh. office. But he buy, in this particular season, he buys a studio. And he is the producer of a singer, of, of an artist. And so he brought me in. He was like, yo, do you want to play the engineer? I was like, sure. Don actually got a scholarship to go to college for music. Really? Like, he oh played saxophone. He could sing. Actually, I, the first thing I ever scored was a movie for Don. He did a movie about Miles Davis called Miles Ahead. Oh, yeah. I won a Grammy for the soundtrack. Scored? That was my first time scoring anything. Wow. We won a Grammy. We, we beat out. Let me tell you how... What How, year was this? This was 2016. Okay, 16. I feel like 16. We went up against the Amy Winehouse documentary. Wow. Suicide Squad, the NWA movie. Mm. So this is all... That's, that's a lot of competition. And, and then the Miles mm-hmm. Davis movie. I was like, we're not going to win, but I'm going to go and I'm going to be proud that I went and I, that we're, in, we're nominated. It's great. Dom was like, I ain't going. He went golfing. <gasps> the morning of the Grammys, I FaceTime, he's golfing. I was like, Don, what the fuck you doing? <laughs> he's like, yo, bro, I'm not going to that. Because I get it. Hollywood star, he's a star star. So yeah. he always walks red carpets and shit. So he's over it. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, we're going to the yeah, Grammys. Yeah, you excited. know, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, excited. So I was like, Don, if we win, you got to get dressed and come down to the Grammys. He was like, okay, sure. <laughs> okay. So we end up winning. Oh, my God. And I was every, we're all shocked. We're like, oh, snap. So I get on stage. I face, I tell, I'm like, Don, we won. I'm holding the Grammy. On stage. Oh, my God. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he got dressed, and his wife got dressed and came down to the Grammys. Amazing. So, and this is the funny part. I had already walked the red carpet, yeah. right? And they scanned my ticket to go into the Grammys, right? right? So I'm already in there. So when Don came, I was like, we're going to go back out, meet Don, walk the red carpet with Don. Because that's a different walk. Okay. Everybody were coming up to us. Uh, to look like Little like Rick right. Ross. All these cats are coming up. Mr. Cheeto, can I take a picture with you, you know? And, and all these things. So it was an amazing walk. We get to the door. <laughs> we get to the door to go inside again. They scan my ticket. And they wouldn't let none of us in no. because we already were in. Come on! So they let you back. so the dude. It, it was a big thing. People are passing us by like Robert. Congratulations! I'm at the doorman. Like, look, bro, I just won. Right. That's why I'm that- outside. That's why I came to walk the red carpet again. <laughs> look, here's the picture. Here's the video. People are well, literally coming by. Congratulations, Robert. So it took an hour. They have to take all of our driver's license, take it to the head part of the thing and do all this stuff, come back and give us our license. Then they let us in so we can go to the televised portion of it. That is an insane sort of 
day oh, Lord Jesus. of like um, yeah. anx- anxious feelings yeah. to celebrating yeah. and then all of a sudden you can't get back in. So I, I, I digress so much. I don't even know what the hell we're talking about. No, this, about. Is, but- <laughs> this is, so what we're talking about, you won the Grammy, the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Then I realized being an actor is very, very hard. The call times, I, I can't do the call times. So it's not the actual acting that's hard. No. It's the call times. It's and, the call And times. the catering. Jesus Christ. Catering was <laughs> eh. Catering was eh. But so the call times. What time, is this called? It's different from music. Yes, because when you go somewhere for music, it's all like mapped out to like, okay, your call time is going to be 3.30 in the lobby. It's going to take a half hour to get to the place. Right. Then you got sound check at 4.30. Then, you know, everything's sure. kind of boom, 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 boom. When you do, when you're acting, call times at four forty-five a.m. Wow! You go to your trailer. You could sit in that trailer for six hours. They probably don't need you until ten. You don't. They don't know when they're going to need you because they're working on a scene right now. And until that scene's done, then like, okay, come do makeup. And you go to the trailer. You do makeup. Then you go back to your trailer. And it's a hurry up. And then and you wait. just sit there and wait. And, yeah. and then you can't mess up the makeup. So, so if you so. don't have a good trailer, which I did not, and I told Don, fuck you. Yeah. Because you have a good trailer. Why do you get a good yeah. acting trailer? Right. You haven't done that much more acting than me. Right. How, how different Cheadle. was the tra- trailer? Um, His trailer was like three stories. I think he had a maid. <laughs> some shit had a pool. It was amazing. So He was it, like, you can come chill in my trailer if you want. Look. I was like, you motherfucker. It had a helicopter pad. I had, had a, a, I had a fucking mm-hmm. toaster. I don't know. Yeah, for no reason. No. I had no bread. It was, just, <laughs> it was like a U-Haul Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, a U-Haul. You wait more than you're on set, than you wow. act. You wait more than you act. That's so interesting. Totally different. Because, yeah, I feel like when we're on tour, mm-hmm. it, there's never a dull moment, really. And you need it. I don't want to have to go to my dressing room five hours before a sound check. See, I couldn't do I I don't no. like idle time. <laughs> yeah. I let you know. Yeah. Unless I'm cleaning. I like to clean. Do you yeah. clean? Do you? I hate cleaning. <laughs> No, Jesus Christ, I hate it so much. So that my lady loves it. She loves to clean. Oh, see? she cleans before the cleaner comes. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. You know the cleaner before the clean. Oh yeah, yeah, that. because then it can really clean. She says it's true. You got to organize before <laughs> yeah. she knows. Yeah, that's you what it is. Organize before, and then we, let's get a deep clean. Yeah, because exactly. That's there's why a we regular cleaning, it. and then there's a deep clean. The deep, like I want the like the tops of the like in the refrigerator. Yeah. You know, underneath the side, the sh- the the door, yeah, it gets gross in there. It, it does. So I want take that those plan. out, take everything yes. out. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. So she's like that, and and but she'll do it. But she'll do it when she comes in the road with me. Like we're in a hotel now. Why are you cleaning before <laughs> the maid comes in to clean? Um, I love this woman. Um, <laughs> I- when I lived alone, mm-hmm. I was way more creative. Oh. Because I deal better with with scatter. Really. Like, if my st- I don't like dirt. That's difference. That's different. Mm-hmm. I don't like roaches. I can't do roaches. I can't do mice. I can't do mosquitoes. Any insects. I can't do none of that. So I'm a clean person. Like I'm mm-hmm. not. You're not gonna walk. You wouldn't walk in my house and see a old bowl of cereal or nothing like that. A mold or right, something. Right. But my clothes would be everywhere. Yeah. Because that's how I am in the hotel too. Because I get used to someone picking up after me. So it's kind of like when you're in a relationship and you're a musician, you have to live two lives. Yeah. Musicians live two different lives when you have a family. Because when you're in the hotel, you don't have to worry about lifting the toilet seat up. You're by yourself. Right. Then True. you have to come home and change that whole thing. <laughs> and now you have to remember to lift the damn toilet seat up oh when I didn't God. have to do that for three weeks just now. Yeah. But yeah, when I see stuff around scattered, mm. it somehow, it gives me, you know, ideas or something. Oh, I love that. But Diane Warren's like that. You know that Diane? Right? Yes. She, I don't know where I said Diane like I know her, yeah, but no. I, don't, I never met her. <laughs> I did meet her once. I met her once. But but I know like a lot of people who worked with her there. And yeah. she, the room where her piano is, where she writes, mm. she hasn't, they say she hasn't straightened it up 
since like the 80s. Oh my God. Wow. Like there's distinct. For those who don't know who Diane Warren is, yes. she's written so many hundreds of thousands of hit songs. <laughs> um, don't want to miss a thing. Unbreak my heart. Everything. Um, everything. So what, many- it's easier to, to mention things she didn't write. I watched her talk about September, the for Earth Wind and Fire, because she wrote that too. She did? Uh yeah. And she was talking about talking about how she needed to find a date that really went with the rhythm of the mm-hmm. thing. So she was mm-hmm. like, Do you remember? They had to make up a month and a date. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's like Oh, so they had the rhythm before the word? Rhythm before the word. I love that. So do you remember the twenty first of September? You know what I mean? The dun, 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 dun. Ooh, yeah. So the uh, songwriting is fascinating to Absolutely. me because if they had said um, it's in September, uh, da 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 da, remember, right? Then it wouldn't have been a memorable song wouldn't because September would not have been highlighted. Maybe exactly. right? Like uh, the way where it fell on the beat in yes. the phrase. It's so brilliant, and it's like oh, how yeah. how easily something could like go wrong. Like yeah. I, I'm. Like, it's like you're saying the same thriller thing. Thriller was named something else before. Starbright. There it is. Starbright. Right to the <laughs> test. It was called Starbright. That would not have gone anywhere. I don't want to ever hear. I wouldn't press click on the song Starbright. called Starbright. Ew! Starbright. Ah. It sounds like a, a commercial for um, <laughs> a cleaning product, matter of fact. <laughs> it does. Having trouble getting those grease stains off your stove? <laughs> Try Starbright. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, my mouth is watering now for cleaning products. Um, not to eat, but to clean. With. I'm not Quincy sure who or? changed it. Quincy, your mouth. Have you met Quincy? <laughs> oh man, man, he's a motherfucker, man. He's amazing, man. I tell you, man, Michael, man. Nobody told me you do a Quincy. Does <laughs> Nobody know? knows I do. Does it. he know? I don't think I've ever done a Quincy that, in per- in public. That's not something that anyone can do. <laughs> like it takes like having this like. Yeah, it's like, oh, like a Kermit oh, the Frog. He's a, a motherfucker, man. Emily King. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, how amazing is he? Oh, he's... You, have you worked with him before? I never worked with him. I've just hung out with him a few times. Yeah, he likes to hang, right? He, he hangs he harder hangs... than he's always at a party. Anyone? Yeah, he hangs harder than anyone. Like I remember one time I did a show. Was I playing? Yes, I was opening up for Herbie. Oh, amazing! So at a Hollywood Bowl, it Ooh. was Herbie. You know. And Joni Mitchell came, and you know all these people came. Oh so you know upstairs in the hot, that the hang mm-hmm. area upstairs, and everybody was in there, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" You oh know? my god! And somebody introduced me to Joni Mitchell, and I was just like, "I died after." I, oh, you know, that's incredible! I, you know, I died. So then, you know, people hanging. It's like three hours. <laughs> no one's in there but me, Herbie. And, and Quincy and the, and the door guy. Now this is after the show. After the after show. the after party. After the after party. Right. And it's just a door guy waiting. And Herbie was like saying, "Quincy, let's roll." Like an hour before that. Yeah. But he was just talking. So I was just sitting there. I was only there listening to them talk. Herbie was there that, listening to Quincy talk. In that situation, you don't say anything. You just listen. You know oh, what I mean? absolutely. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've hung out with Quincy at, at Montreal Jazz Festival mm. to the morning. He's, the, he's. That is so fascinating. You to know me, what I mean? That he like, has so much stamina still, and I'm sure he's been that way his whole life. Absolutely. And he has to be. Yeah, um, are absolutely. you that way? I hang. I'm a hanger. Yeah. I learned that in New York. You oh, know is, what I mean? is it a learned behavior? Because it, I think so. It, well, yeah. Because if you grow up in a place where there's nowhere to hang, uh, then you're not hanging until six a.m. naturally because you don't have nowhere to go. That's true. When I moved to New York, jam sessions would go to like six, seven in the morning. Wow! Literally, like I was telling a story, like me and Bilal used to hit all the jam sessions. 
certain nights you would go to all a bunch of jam sessions and then you would end up at this spot called Smalls. Every night you end up oh, at Smalls. Oh, Smalls is the you best. Know, you end up at Smalls. Mm-hmm. But Smalls at that time used to go to like 6, 7 in the morning. So we used to go jam, take a nap, wake up, and then go to school. Wait, wait. You, oh, you would jam, take a nap, yeah. and then go to school. Yeah, we were literally you were going in college. to school. Yeah, at the new school at in, the in new New York. School. Yeah, me and, and Bilal. Bilal. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, how and much we do were I literally. Bilal? Oh, Bilal's oh amazing. my god. He's 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 incredible. He's my favorite. He gives me chills. Singer. Yeah, it's it's amazing what mm. he can do. I saw him at CBGB's when I was like eighteen. I was there. I had to be there. You must have been there. Yeah. And it was like he had these two amazing singers yeah. with him. Oh my gosh, I remember, dude. I remember. Do you remember that? I remember that. Because CBGB is closed like that same year or like yeah, after, a year yeah. after. My first residency was at CBGB's ever with my new band. It's called the Robert Glasper Experiment. Yeah. Right? Wow. That and was a new band then. That was the new band then. <laughs> but it was called the Robert Glasper Experience, actually. Oh. But when I did CBGB's, New York Times did a write-up on it. And they said experiment by accident. So it was, but it was already printed and it was in the newspaper. So I said, well, that's the new name. And I was went with that. I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> Do you look back fondly on that, on those times or was it hard? It was it a struggle? Sound, I mean, if I stay up past nine o'clock, I'm like, oh, what, what did I, you know, I'm having feelings. Uh, no, I could do it back then because I was young. I didn't have no kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just like, it was just me. And were you new to the city? Cause I was new to the from city. Houston. From Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was in church. I was in church six days a week. Maybe five days a week. By my senior year, well, 11th and 12th grade year, I played for three churches at once. So I what? played for a seven-day Adventist church on Saturdays. I played for a Catholic church early Sunday morning. And I played for a Baptist church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. They were right around Whoa. the corner from each other. So three different churches. Each church has a choir rehearsal oh my God. during the week. So I had to go to each of those choir rehearsals during the week. And so how I was long at, are those? Choir rehearsals are normally around two hours. And you get paid for all this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was balling. So you, school. yeah, I'm picturing you with some gators on, you know, just like, like walking down the street, like <laughs> just. Well, like. I could, I could buy, you know, the, the, I could pay my own car note. That's you know incredible. what I mean? Like I, I paid my own bills. I was a friend with money, so I could buy my friends food and hang out. Awesome. My mom was very lenient with me because I mean I was a good dude. I was, I didn't get in, in, into anything. You know, mm-hmm. I was just, it was just music. You know, and so did they? They was it not? Did they support you right away with music? Oh, my, absolutely! Because my mother was a musician. Mm. She was a singer, and a, my mom was a singer and a pianist. Wow! You know, um, and so she—that's how she supported me by singing and playing piano, oh, literally. Amazing. So she did that a lot of every night, a gig every, every night. But she also had a day job as like a receptionist somewhere. Mm. But so she would do her day job from like eight to five, come home, cook dinner super quick, or give me a check back in the day. Give me a check for pizza. Really? You could pay for pizza you with could a pay check. For pizza with a check. <laughs> <laughs> You could pay for pizza with a check. So she That's would give me a awesome. check. And then she would go around 7 o'clock. She would go out to her gigs and mm-hmm. she would come home at 3 in the morning. That's incredible. And then she'd have to, wake up at, she'd have to wake up at 6. Mom's working hard. My Oof. mom worked so hard. You so know what I mean? Hard. That's how I got my church gig because of my mom was the minister of music at the Seventh-day Adventist church mm. and at the Sunday church. So when she left those churches, she put me in there to be mom. the, you know... Yeah, I, I I feel like my mom um, and my dad, but definitely mom was, you know, she had the vision for me. Like mm-hmm. she was like, okay, I want to help you now. Do get a gig here, mm-hmm. and, and 
And thank God for moms doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did Did your mom teach you how to play piano, or was but it basically? Just by- I mean, basically, I mean, I, I mostly taught by ear. My mm-hmm. mom was she played enough piano to accompany herself. She wasn't a pianist, but yeah. she yeah. could she could accompany herself. So she did a lot of gigs, like you know, solo piano, singing gigs, and jazz clubs, jazz bars, singing standards and standards and, and yeah. top forty. Oh, love it! Top forty. That's where my love for I have so much random love for like. <laughs> Liza Minnelli and oh, that's great! Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Bette Midler and Billy Joel. Oh. I know so many rent songs because of that. My mom had her little cue cards with the lyrics and keys and stuff, and she would do all those kind of songs, you know. Oh, that's great! But also, when she on Saturday Fridays and Saturday nights, she played at a club club. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so that was the top forty with a band, and mm-hmm. you know. So she must have been. She knew must like when you at an early age mm-hmm. that you had the talent. Absolutely. She must have recognized that. She recognized it. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, I didn't want to play piano. I didn't. I wasn't trying to be a pianist. I thought I was going to play sports. I really thought I was going to play basketball. So I was That's playing. one thing we have in common. You play basketball? We both like basketball very much. Nice. Yes. Did, you, did you play? I did in middle school. Oh, kill it. Yeah, I went to basketball camps and stuff. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, but, yeah. um, but how does that work with being injured? Like, you can't really go hard on basketball with your job. Exactly. So, yeah. I was pretty good in junior high, mm-hmm. but I I realized once I got to high school, that's when all the schools get integrated, and you really mm. know if you're good or not. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you know, I grew, I was in kind of like a more more of a white neighborhood in junior high school. Mm-hmm. So when when with the high school, that's when all the black schools integrated to the other to the school I was going to. Right. And I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> next ooh. level. Yeah. We, are, we have arrived at yeah. the next level of <laughs> so, balance. I wrote the bench most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then I always say I slid the piano. I slid the bench over to the piano. Yeah. So, oh, that's great. So from there, I went to the high school for performing arts because I went to a regular high school. So I, I auditioned. So here's here's mm. how my trajectory kind of started. Mm-hmm. My mom used to let me draw, and then when I was in eighth grade, she used to let me drop her off at one of her gigs at this spot, the Bistro Vino. I'll never forget it. Wow. It was like a b. It was a bistro, Italian bistro, and she would do singer songwriter, piano play, you know, playing and singing there. Mm-hmm. And she would let me drop her off, and she had to be there like eight o'clock. And she would let me pick her up at one a.m. Oh, eighth grade, but you're in Texas, you know. <laughs> so you know, eighth grade, you're like thirteen, you know. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah. But you've been driving for ten yeah. years. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she let me drop her and pick her up. The only thing was, I would have to come in when when I pick her up, come in and play the last song with her. How sweet. Yeah, and it was either either Perdido mm-hmm. or there will never be another mm-hmm. you. Precious um, is that. Yeah. So one of the times when I went in and played the song with her, the bartender was like, hey, I know the director, the jazz director of the at, at HSPVA, the High School for Performing Arts around the corner. Robert should really audition, you know, mm. and he hooked it up. The oh, bartender wow. hooked up an audition. So I, I went and I got in. I got accepted. But I, in my mind, I'm like, I want to play basketball. Oh. So I declined it, went to the regular school, Elkins High School, and I didn't, I didn't do well. <laughs> So that's what said. That's when I said, "Okay, you know what? Let me go to HSPBA." Mm. So then they accepted me again, and I went for my tenth grade year through the rest of high school. So you got accepted, and you didn't go the first. I didn't time. go the first. Year. And what did you remember your mom's reaction to that? She basically was like, "We'll try it out for a year, and then if you don't, you know, if, if it oh. doesn't make any sense, you should go to HSPBA." I love this you know? sort of like yeah. you know, let's try it. If it doesn't work out, exactly because you know you don't want to be the person who kills the kids' dreams, and mm. you know your dream might not be mm. their dream. I have those moments with like producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
or just one in particular, Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah. yeah. I went to college with Jeremy. You went to college with Jeremy? I went to middle school with Jeremy. Dude. Yes. <laughs> um, we're talking about Jeremy Most, yeah. who produced all my records. Absolutely. So he um, always would have, like, every idea he had was beautiful. Yeah. But I get always stuck on the first one. Right. And I'm like... Really? Do you, you said, let me just try things. And usually, don't you find that the best idea will make itself heard anyway? Totally. totally. That's happened to me where I give people songs. Happened with you. I don't think the first idea mm. I sent you, you like, you took. I think it was like, mm. there were like three. You send me some options. I sent you a thing. Yeah. But like that happened, I tell a story. I tell a story. It happened with um, Michelle Degocello for Black Radio 1. Oh. I sent her a song. And she's so sweet. She's, she's like, amazing. Um, thank you, but this one doesn't resonate with me. So the second one, she liked that. But the third one, she liked. And the third one ended up being the one. And that was better than the other ones. Anyway. Oh, my God. I, once she did it, it was like, okay, that made... I'm glad she didn't take my first. Right. And, then, and you have to realize all your ideas aren't the best for everyone. No, like, it's, you know, it's the universe. Let it, you, let, yeah. you know, let the... Like, you're right. Let, don't let... You know, you let other people breathe. And because you never know, mm. you might be like, oh, my God, yes. This mm. was better than I... This, you know... Or yeah. the other idea can connect to your idea. So you mm. might have one idea, but the bridge of their idea... It's your song better. Ooh. So it's a puzzle. It is. And you never know what you're going to get. Know. You have to have faith. Absolutely. And you, there's not one hairstyle that fits on everybody. Even Absolutely. though you love bangs, I wouldn't put them on you. Absolutely. Even though I used to wear bangs in third grade. <laughs> I'm actually not lying. Get out of here. I wore bangs. That is adorable. <laughs> Cut to the fuck. Can we make this a video podcast? No. This, is, this is when having white friends went wrong. Because... They all, all my white friends at elementary school had bangs and they used moose. Remember moose? Oh, yeah. That's so, so 90s. So my my aunt was a hairstylist and she used to perm my hair. Wow. So my hair was straight and long and I could make bangs. Literally, I had bangs that went to here <laughs> and I would make one bang. I mean, there's so, that's kind of swag. That yeah. that would go with your gators that you Yeah, had. that would go with the gators. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, one bang. I, yeah, totally. <laughs> Totally, it's weird as fuck. Um, I used to straighten my hair. Yeah, and um, it's tiring after yeah. a while. Yeah, it, and it does not go for the hair. So yeah. I'm glad you you went moved on from that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the Talk House podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of Talk House is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. 
Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Hey, TalkHouse listeners, it's Josh Modell. Instead of encouraging you to listen to podcasts today, I'm here to encourage you to read something great. The particular something I have in mind is the second issue of The TalkHouse Reader, the print zine spearheaded by our fantastic music editor, Annie Fell. This issue is focused on the intersection of food and music, and it features contributions from Maddie Matheson, Coleman Domingo, Squirrel Flower, Sam Evian, The Blessed Madonna, and more. There are pieces about eating while on tour, the gentrification of food, cooking as a creative catalyst, and much, much more. You can order a copy today, along with the first issue, at store.talkhouse.com. Please do check it out. Are you having fun? (laughs) Do you know people have been asking us, asking me, when I'm going to work with you for like 10 years? Really? Yeah. I remember the first time I heard about you. I was playing in Atlanta at this place, and I think you were coming to play there. This is right after Black Radio. So this is mm. like 2012. Wow. 2013, maybe. Mm-hmm. Over 10 years ago. Over 10 years yeah. ago, you know. And so the promoter was saying, when well, are you going to work with Emily King? You're going to wow. work with Emily King. I was like, Emily King? I feel like I, feel, I, feel like I heard her name. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's what made me check you out. Wow. Thank you to this yeah. promoter. Yeah. That's yeah. what made me check check, check awesome. you out. And then and then I realized who you were. Then I was then I realized Jeremy worked with you and the whole thing. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember so, meeting you with Jose James. Oh, snap. I don't know. It wasn't the first time maybe, but I remember going to the um, Village Vanguard mm-hmm. and you guys were working on a song. Was I playing the Vanguard? You were po- probably. I was playing the Vanguard, yeah. but I had was I was in the studio with Jose. Mm-hmm. I feel and we named the song the Vanguard. Oh, that's awesome. There it is. The song I wrote <laughs> on his very first album. I wrote wow. two songs on his first album, and I think I was at the Vanguard that week mm-hmm. because I felt like we met there. I think you're not wrong. And, yeah, and then one yeah. of the songs is called The Vanguard. It's the very first yeah, song. Yeah, amazing. Me, Chris Dave, and P- Pino Palladino. He had a killer band. That's that. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was starstruck. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, not anymore. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, we're besties. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I love how many friends you have. And yeah. you are so loved by so many people. Mm. Have you always been social butterfly? Absolutely, yeah. My mom was like, my mom was like that. My dad's like that. Mm. I so come you, from that did kinda, you learn that from them? The, I think so. I think it's just in me. It's mm-hmm. just in me. You know what I mean? I've always kind of been that mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. you know, since I was a little kid. Yeah. Always. Are there moments when you enjoy your time alone? Oh, I have to have my time alone. Mm-hmm. That's why I I enjoy the road because <laughs> I get that time alone. Oh, wow. To recharge. Right. So I can. So I'm both an introvert and an extrovert. You know what I mean? So when you get to your room, are you, like, immediately calling people on the phone? No. I mean, I call my lady and my of kids, course, you know, course, like, to talk course. to them. But other than that, I don't like to talk on the phone. Well, because I know a lot of people, and I'm maybe becoming this person mm-hmm. who is, like, like I'll be waiting at a stoplight. Like, it's, this is lasting a little too long. I'll oh, okay. text all year if I could. Um, I'd rather but text. you also do the audio messages, which I Audio like. messages, yeah. I love doing that because then you can get the point. <laughs> Right mm-hmm. across and boom, 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 boom. It's but unless I'm, unless I'm going, unless I, I, I don't mind talking if, if I'm trying to creatively get something out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I'm have to, if we're going to talk about a song and a vibe, yes, it's easier for me to hear your voice yes. and understand what what it is you're 
You know, what I'm, I'm trying to master currently the short combo. Yeah, and my father is all really great at keeping up with his friends, and yeah. so he just, hey, baby, how you doing? Yeah, I'm eating a tuna sandwich. All right, check in later. Yeah, boom. And it's like less than three minutes. Yeah. And meanwhile, me, I get stuck. Like, okay, um, first we talk about the weather, <laughs> and then how's the family? And it's like it's, by the time, and I so. It's nice to have a short because then you could talk to more people. Yeah. Rather than maybe I, I get exhausted if mm-hmm. I'm just like forty minutes mm-hmm. and then I'm done for the yeah. day. Yeah. I, I'm not the kind of person that's like, "Hey, what you doing?" I'll just do that with my son. Yeah. I'll be like, "Yo, oh, what up?" Of course. You know what I mean? So sweet. What, you, what, you, what, you, what you got going? You know. Right. But he's like me too. It's nice to check in. Yes, yeah, check in. That's it. Just a little mm-hmm. check in joint. So I know a lot of friends also who moved to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Is there a scene for jazz and the music? that you like out there in terms of gigging or do you find that you're just mostly it's family time and then you're on the road family time on the road yeah people are moving there and just slowly becoming a scene a scene but there was never really like a, is there a smalls of la no mm. there's not that's not a smalls mm. there's not there's not really a jazz scene in la mm. la is more recording mm. it's more of a recording spot you know what i mean but they're like i said slowly but surely people are finding places to do stuff at they're trying people are trying to get weekly things started you know mm-hmm. it's, it's slowly kind of getting there mm-hmm. and like i said so many people moved there since after covid sure and stuff you know so i think slowly be, slowly becoming a scene so um where else are you traveling to this year um this year i'm going to cuba Ooh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, because uh, Gigi's Cuban. Yeah. So we're going to Cuba in a few weeks. I'm actually going to play a show. Oh, great. So the, the government there and government here, and they talked mm. and did a thing. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm okay. allowed. I'm able to. Right after that, like a week later, I'm going to South Africa. Wow. For um, about two weeks. Amazing. Never um, been. Oh, never in South Africa. Mm-mm. Oh, my gosh. I've only been into Johannesburg and mm-hmm. um, Cape Town. And they is there just festivals. a love a love for music out love there? love for music. Mm-hmm. They have good festivals, great mm-hmm. festivals there. Oh, they love, 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 love music. Oh, my gosh. It's great. Yeah. You- I, I have an idea to do, like, a, a black radio, but it's a world, a world black radio. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? World music black radio. Mm-hmm. So I... I travel around. I document it and I travel around. Oh, I love and, this idea. And then I go and I go to these different places and use the local people there. You know what I mean? And that's the album. Maybe it starts in Cuba when you go. Uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's oh. absolutely. Um, Cuban. That, you know that, that's Martinez? Absolutely. Oh, I love Pedro. come on. How amazing He's is incredible. He? But I, I, yeah, I know a lot of Cuban musicians. Mm. And, and when I started going out there because of Gigi, it's, I saw so much amazing music. Like, just incredible stuff there. Mm. You know what I mean? So... Mm. I'm really inspired by Cuban music now. It's Catalina Perez. It's, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, he's a he's a bass player and a and a producer and writer, but he, he's Ooh, a, a line. Uh, a line. A line. A, yeah. Oh, a, wow. a, a, a line. Perez. Mm. He's incredible. So many incredible people. Just you know, yeah. Yeah. I got to go to Cuba last year. Oh, I remember. I saw it on IG. <laughs> I was posting a lot. Yeah, yeah. I saw it <laughs> on like, IG. When, yeah. when you never leave the house, all of a sudden you're like, oh, check out what I ate. <laughs> Absolutely. How was yeah. it? It was great. Yeah. And my brother went to tap to teach tap class. Nice. And they, you know, they got all these free tap shoes from you know, patrons out yep, here yep. and they brought them there. So we get into this big room yep. and they dump all the tap shoes out Do on you the tap? floor. No. Okay. No, no. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've tried. Yeah. It's harder than it looks, yeah, apparently. It, yeah. Yeah. But I was so moved by the whole experience. The people are amazing yeah. and the and 
the, I mean, the colors and and the, the whole culture. Were y'all in Havana? Nice. Exactly. But I think because you do the Napa festival yeah napa jazz festival, so you yeah. know how to put on a party which um you need to do it next year oh dude i'll come you back heard it i'll here come first. back anytime you heard it here I'm first back anytime thank you thank you yes, i had you so much to. fun and i still have the little party gifts that you give everybody oh yes yes indeed <laughs> the dressing room had like yes, weed with my name on absolutely. it basically yes, and i don't sure. even smoke but yeah. i keep it now as absolutely a souvenir. for sure so for sure but so because you have that knowledge of yes. putting festivals together yes. it seems like that could translate to something in South Africa. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, once or we did Cuba. that festival, well, yeah, once we did that festival, after the first year, everybody was like, mm-hmm. bring it here! Dude. You know? Oh my Because I just love, it was just like a fan reunion. They yeah. Like, it felt like a barbecue. Literally, it felt yeah. like a barbecue and, and it, the way we have it set up, it feel like it's a safe space to mm-hmm. do that in and just mm-hmm. kind of hang and, mm-hmm. you know, people played and stayed for the extra two days or an extra day yeah. just to be around. And then the way we do the thing, you know, if I know you're around and you're on the side of the stage, I'm pulling you on and, yes, you yes, know, we're yes, doing yes. the thing. And that, that, <laughs> that's what makes it special. At any other festival, it's just a bunch of people doing their their show, yeah, which you can see anywhere. Right. Their show. Oh, that, oh totally. You're totally. just seeing their show yes. amongst other shows that right after that. But at mm-hmm. Napa, you're going to see literally a combination of people you've never seen mm. play together. Is that is that some of the um what excites you about music is Absolutely. the spontaneity and- the spontaneity and the making the things up in the moment mm. because those are moments that will never be around again. Every time we do that it ne- it's never happening again. And if it does happen it's not going to be that way. You know is what I mean? Is every show different for you? Every show's different. Mm. It has to be. Yeah. Even when there's set no set list, set list, all the things even if I play this even if I played the same songs. Mhm. There, it's going to start different or end different. Each song, there's going to be random things in between that we come up with. Like even the vamp at the end. Remember yes, we came up with the vamp? Yes, yes. I love that. That's that's just how I roll. Like that has to, that has to happen. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. my guys know it too. So I love it when they come up with stuff too. And it's like, oh, oh we're here. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? And it's just, I, I, I hate being bored. And I, I love it. When you when you have a band you can trust, you can do that. When you have a band. <laughs> that's the key. So here's my question because there's probably going to be some musicians listening. Yeah. So, what if a show goes wrong? Yeah. What are the things that you would mention in terms of you know not nothing to do with tickets or anything like that? But mm-hmm. for you after a show, what are the things that would go into you feeling like oh that wasn't a great show? My pet peeve is this: no matter how good you are, how bad you are, <laughs> you have to be aware. I'm very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. I don't like to rehearse. Mm-hmm. I thrive off of, hey, just the moment and making sure that everybody's looking at each other and making sure everybody's aware. Mm. If you're on autopilot and you're just looking down at the floor and just playing the song, I hate it with a passion. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and back you up on that. A lot of younger players, yeah. you know, they maybe they're afraid or they're shy and they close their eyes, they look down. Yeah, they look down, close their eyes, like, yo. How are we supposed to drive the car together? If we're all closed eyes. We're, you know, how we're, we're on the basketball team, I can't pass you the ball. A hundred percent. Or you don't know what yes. play I'm going to call. Yes, you know what I mean? I, sometimes I'll be in the middle of one song and want to go to a whole other song ooh, in the middle. Ooh. And I'll just mouth it. I'll, I need the bass player to look at me because that's the harmony. Yes. At least, you know, drummer, I, I, that's why I always have my drummer facing me. Oh, I noticed. Bass player needs to look to the right to me. Uh, right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Because... Yeah. In the middle of the show, I'll fill out the crowd and I'll know what needs to happen. Mm. Because that's why I can't fully make a set list a lot of times mm-hmm. because 
I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. Mm. And then once I get a vibe of the crowd, then it changes the set in the middle of the show. Right. And I might want to change it in the middle of the song. Right. So you know? that is 100% great advice. Absolutely. You know, listen, look at each other all the time, especially the band leader. Absolutely. And listen. And looking and, and listening yeah. is more of the battle than most things. Mm-hmm. A great show to me is that when we're doing things and people think we rehearse these transitions and it's mm-hmm. like, no, this is all fresh and new, but we just paid attention. Right. That's half of the battle. You know what I mean? Totally. Listening. It's so, so key. Mm, you know? So key. I think these are things we learn along the way. You Absolutely. Know, because a lot of time fear takes over and you just forget, you which, forget. what to do. Absolutely. Um, well, and also, when you're a band... Because some people, some band members feel like, okay, you're the star, so I'm not seen. Mm. And they just do random shit. Ooh, lesson number two. <laughs> and everybody's like, watching you. Everybody's watching you. <laughs> yes. You're on stage. They can see you. Yes. If you went to see Janet Jackson, you wouldn't see the bass player doing what you just did. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, on a big sc- So don't do that shit here. Just don't do random things mm. that's like, it's not a stage etiquette. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I when I was starting out, I had some, you know, some band members that were, were like, talking yeah. dur- to each other All during that. the song. Yeah. And, and I remember seeing it back and I was like... This looks very unprofessional. So, yes, lesson number two. Yeah. Like, um, we joke and talk on stage. Yeah. You know, we we joke with each other and talk on stage. Because that's one thing. But it's like having a private convo and y'all just, uh, while I'm doing a piano intro. Mm, Right. Like, I'm I'm trying to create a vibe here. And y'all just broke the vibe by doing that over there. We all have to be purposeful. Everybody can see you. Those are the lessons that we've learned from being in the game. Because I realized that even once I've become my own artist, and you know, like what, what was it after Black Radio came? No, I started playing. I was I was on the road with Maxwell, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But I was already me. I was already doing my own thing. But Maxwell was using my band, so it was like a specific, special thing wow. for these like four for like four years. You know wow. what I mean? When Maxwell came back in two thousand nine, he came back after like I don't know fifteen years not being around, and it was a huge thing. The biggest thing in R&B at the time. It's like, Maxwell's back. Oh, I remember that. And 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 the band was me, Chris Dave, and Derek Hodge. Wow, you know what I mean? amazing. And we went on tour with Maxwell for like four years. I did, in the middle of the tour, I did Black Radio. That's awesome. And did the whole thing, won the Grammy, mm. and I'm, but I was still on tour with Maxwell. There's a humbling. Absolutely. There's, it's, it's a sort of, that's something you really learn on the job site. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know, there's a lot of people involved with putting on a show. Yes, yeah. And sort of like the bubble gets burst a little bit. You you're like, okay, I'm a worker now. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I'm, wor- yeah, I'm But a as part a of worker, as a worker, it was you know you, you realize like I love it when because there are certain people who I've worked with mm-hmm. that have tried to become an artist after the fact, mm. and then they realize, oh snap, okay, they come back to me like oh, now I get it. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. unless you've done it. You don't know. Yes. You, you don't, don't really know. You don't you, know. You, you, you can't even and have the conversation. And you can take it or leave it. Some people don't. It's not for them. It's, everybody's not supposed mm-hmm. to be. Just because you can play an instrument, because you can sing, because you can produce, that doesn't mean that you're an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not want to be an artist. You might want to be a background singer. We need great background singers. It takes we, a whole <laughs> team. And, and that's, you know, that's a great point because do whatever makes you feel good. Absolutely. You don't, and, and. It's just as valid yeah. to be a side person Absolutely. as it is a front person. Like both things are necessary and yeah. both things have their 
pros and cons. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so I understand people for, not wanting to be in the public for eye. For sure. And that's the thing. People have to really be honest with themselves in a real way because mm-hmm. there are some artists who you can tell you don't want to be in the front. Mm. You're great, but you don't want to be in the front. Right. You don't even know how to be. In, you feel uncomfortable in the front. Mm-hmm. And you can tell it. And he's like, mm-hmm. you don't want it, but you don't want to go. You don't want to tell them that. I don't right, want to be the one right, crushing right, your dream. Right. Well, that's what I mean. I shouldn't be an artist. Yeah. That sounds terrible. No, you can't say it. <laughs> you no, can't, you can't say you it. You literally cannot say it. Mm-hmm. Even to your friend. Yeah. But I if- have people I know personally that I want to say it to so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to be the one to crush your dream. But I will well, say things Rob, like, you know, now's the time. Go ahead, lay it on me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Now's the time, guys. Exactly. I'm open. Let it, it out, though. No, it's true. Because, yeah. you know, because there, there, there comes a time where you really have to be honest with yourself. I even mm. say that with, there are people who don't, who get their gifts and their their hobbies and their, uh, what is it, gift? Your gift, your hobby, mm. and your um, passion mm. mixed up. And some people don't realize it until later in life. Because the gift, the gift is there. That's what we're born with. The gift the is what tool. you're born with, but sometimes you don't realize what your gift is till later. Because the gift is the, what you do the easiest, the best. The gift, ooh, you better put that on a t-shirt. That's the good less, advice. The less effort you have to do. Like, I have a gift of being funny. Mm, I just yeah, do. Yeah. I don't try. Yeah. I'm just fucking funny. Gonna, right. You know what I mean? I know it. I have a gift of good, being good looking. Obviously. <laughs> You see, that fucking made you laugh. Fuck both of y'all. Listen, but... <laughs> but guess what? Get to he what just, guess no, what? he had to prove that he was funny. So guess what my was. passion was? Basketball. Right. Your gift sometimes is not your passion. Mm. And your passion is sometimes not your gift. You can be how, passionate how as hell it? about something. Yeah. And it could be a hobby. Basketball was a hobby that I was passionate but about. But you had a third one. What was it? Gift, passion. Gift, passion, and hobby. And how? So what is the hobby? A hobby is just something you like to do. Mm-hmm. It may not be your passion, but you like to do it. Oh, okay. All the time. Good. It makes you feel good. You know what I mean? Basketball made me feel good. But luckily, in ninth yeah. grade, I realized when I was on the bench the whole year, I realized my gift was not basketball. My, I realized my gift was the piano. Because I would play the piano and it, I would effortlessly play mm. even without getting re- really getting lessons. You mm. know what I mean? And, and and then once I really put effort into it, I got good fast. I think that's a blessing that you found out so early. Early. And how did it feel? Then you came to terms with basketball not being I was fine with it. Once I really found the piano in a yeah. real way. Yeah. I was fuck. I was mm-hmm. fine once I because I real. I'm, I'm like I'm never going to be as good as these, these guys, right. and these guys don't even make it to the NBA. And you only got a few years to do basketball unless mm-hmm. you're going to be in the NBA or play in a real professional way mm-hmm. in some other country. Another thing that people have to come to terms with mm-hmm. and, and really be honest with themselves, like, hey, am I good at this? Really? Mm-hmm. What am I good at? Maybe the thing I'm good at, I don't like to do. But once I start doing it in a real way, put my energy into it. Then I start changing other people's lives. But then I look at it and be like, you know what? I do like this. Because once you see how you affect other people with your gift, it changes how you think about your gift as well. <gasps> Rob. Come on. This is so Come amazing on. what you're saying. I'm preaching up in here. Let's go. There's so much nuance and yeah. so many layers and levels to, you know, to being a human being on the planet. And, and we didn't even get to the commerce part of like having to have a career and try to figure out how to make money oh, or, man. or deciding if your passion or your gift is something you'd like to use to make money. Absolutely. Maybe you don't have to. Maybe I don't, don't know. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. But I like what you said about when you do lean into it, 
when you see that it affects people in a positive way. Oh man! Then once you all see the kinds flowers, of things happen. Once you see the flowers of, of of that, then you'd be like, oh wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to play piano and somebody says, oh you sound good. It's another thing to play piano and somebody says, you stop me from killing myself. Oh my god! Or you know, you you. I got married to your to the song you played, mm-hmm. or I gave birth to the song you played. Does it or... make you want to quit? It makes you want to keep yeah. It's going. like dang, I really changed someone's <laughs> life in a real way. Yeah, by playing, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. wow, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, giving to you. I, I feel like that's a great place to to send off. Yeah, to oh, we're done already. Until the next um, episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> we out here. Thank you so much Absolutely. for doing this. This is great for sure. And um, check for out sure. Robert Glasper and everything he's doing. Absolutely. uh, All right. Bye, everybody. Peace out. Signing off. Thanks for listening to the Talk House podcast, and thanks to Robert Glasper and Emily King for chatting. If you liked what you heard, please follow Talk House on your favorite podcasting platform and check out all the goodness at TalkHouse.com. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and the Talk House theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.